to another episode of Careers Night, the podcast where we ask our guests, what's your job and how did you get there? My name is Chris Potts and tonight I am joined by Carrie Heaven, a friend of mine from some studies I'm doing at the moment through the Melbourne Business School for my MBA. To me, this was a really, really interesting conversation and and I think for a lot of listeners here, it could be very easy to hear that Carrie works in the mining sector and think to yourself, well, that's not something I want to do. I don't think I'm particularly interested in this story. But to me, this is not a conversation about a career in mining sector. This is a, a conversation around following your passion. And and even when the social norms, the, the professionals in the industry are telling you that this isn't for you, for whatever reason that might be, and in this particular case, it's, it's based on gender, what can happen if you just continue to stay loyal to yourself, true to who you are, and pursue that. So we're talking about a career in mining here, but to me, this is an episode that is relevant to absolutely anyone who wants to pursue what they're passionate about. I encourage you to all listen, take in what Carrie's talking about here and and apply it to whatever industry, whatever field it is. The important element here is be true to yourself, do what you want to do and pursue that with everything that you have. So I don't want to spend too much time front-loading this. I want to get straight into it. But to me, this is an awesome conversation. This is something that's just absolutely impressive to listen to. And I cannot, cannot emphasize Thanks enough very much the importance for joining of joining me today, Carrie, as I like to do. I throw straight into the, the first question, which is, uh, what's your job? So I am currently working at Glencore's MacArthur River Mine in the Northern Territory as the Senior Geotechnical Engineer. That's terrific. And there's a whole lot in there, which means absolutely nothing to me. Can you tell me a little <laughs> bit more about... Uh, what that actually means. What? Yeah, so I'm in charge of a team of 10 people out at the mine site, uh, engineers and technicians, and our primary focus at the mine is to stop the walls from falling down or if they are going to fall down, know when they're going to do it so we can get personnel out and keep everybody on the mine site safe. Right, okay. So when I think of mines, I think of two different types of mine. There's the gold mine that yep. cartoons have led me to believe is just this great big tunnel underground <laughs> and then I think of... Uh, Gippsland and the, the open sort of cut. I assume you're the latter? I am the latter. I have done both. Um, the little underground gold mines aren't quite as little as the cartoons might make out, but yeah, they're uh, tunnels. They're probably five and a half metres wide by five and a half wide. So it feels a bit more spacious. Uh, but yeah, I'm currently at an open cut mine. So it's about 200 metres deep, 1.2 kilometres long, and 900 metres wide. Big hole in the ground. Wow. And going deeper or wider? Uh, Both. So we're doing what's called cutback mining. So we'll keep taking slices off the eastern side of our mine and it'll get close to two kilometres wide. And in doing that, we'll continue to go down to about 400 metres depth. Incredible. And what are you pulling out of the soil there? Uh, So we're mining predominantly zinc, but we also have lead and silver come out of the mine as well. And what for... People who are a bit like me, what happens with all this zinc? So we have a mill on site. So we get the ore out of the ground. So any rock that's got metal that can be extracted for money, that's called ore. We then put the ore into a crusher in our on-site mill and that'll crush the ore up really small. And with zinc, the way that we process it, it's like putting it in a big bottle of Sprite And because it's been crushed up so small, uh, all the bubbles that rise to the top, the zinc sticks to the bubbles and then we just skim it off the top and everything else sinks to the bottom and we throw it out. Uh, We then load it onto trucks which go about 100 kilometres down the road to our loading facility called Bing Bong 
where we put it on a big ship and send it to a smelter where it's smelted down to a fine zinc concentrate. That's incredible. Bubbles. Amazing. Wow, there's a lot there that's uh, incredibly interesting. But your particular role in this, as you said, is monitoring the walls to make sure they don't collapse. It sounds challenging and, and my mind immediately goes to when I'm digging a hole at the beach and uh, and the water keeps making my, my walls cave in. So tell me, what does that look like in a mine? Yeah, it's a very, very similar process, believe it or not. So when you dig in at the beach, if you dig those walls too steep, it all collapses in. And if you dig it too shallow, you'll have a really nice big hole that stands up, but you dig out a lot of extra sand that you might not need have needed to, to get as deep as you want. So my key role is to uh, figure out how steep we can possibly make those walls before we start to see deformation in them. Uh, but while not making them so shallow that it's becoming uneconomic to mine. So there's two kind of main aspects to what I do. The first one is the walls and designing them properly. And then the second one is once we've actually built the walls, I've got a lot of monitoring systems on site that I use to constantly monitor those walls and see if there's any signs of movement coming uh, from anywhere. And if there are, that's when we start to take a more defensive approach, I guess. Uh, our design might not have been quite as good as we thought it was, but there are things that we can put in place to keep everybody in the mine site safe if it does start to move. So when you say it's shifting, how, how big a move are we talking? Yeah, so the key bit of equipment that I use out here, it's called a slope stability radar. And what it does, it scans the wall of the mine every three minutes and it scans it on a grid of about one metre by two metres wide and it can tell me every three minutes deformation up to 0.1 of a millimetre. So I'm looking for very, very small, like thinner than the hair on your head type movement and then that will build up over time. So the most recent failure that we've seen at the pit um, it got up to about 170 millimetres of movement and that's when we started to see physical signs in the pit of rocks falling and then the wall eventually collapsing. And it's your job to try and solve that or just identify when it's happening? Uh, yeah, I also manage it operationally. If we do see something, I um, then... I have the ability to block off areas, remove personnel, remove machinery and everything to make sure that that area is controlled and isolated and no personnel are exposed to any falling rocks. There you go. The uh, One of the cool things about what we do here is just find all these amazing jobs that you sort of never even consider happening. So how does one study this? What what was the course that you did in order to be able to do this and what do you learn in that course? Yeah, so I studied at the University of Tasmania. I'm from Hobart originally. And when I was going through uni, I started off doing geology, which I thought, yes, this is what I want to do, go and work in a mine site. And honestly, I hated geology, but it is one of the ways you can do it. But I found that there were all these classes, the ones I really enjoyed had all these boys in it. And I'm like, what are they studying? So found out they were doing engineering and I went and started in engineering. And one of the specialties you could do at the time was called geotechnical engineering. So that is what I actually majored in and that is what my degree is in. There's lots of different pathways these days. Not many places actually offer a geotechnical engineering degree. So lots of people come to it from geology, like I said, or from a civil or a mining engineering standpoint and then often go and do a master's of geotechnical engineering afterwards. I'm lucky I didn't have to go and do a master's in it because I got the right degree first up. Really cool. So you were doing geology. The subjects you enjoyed in geology had a whole lot of people in it that you knew weren't studying geology. 
and you thought, okay, well, these people are in all the subjects I enjoy and thought, yeah. all right, I want to find out what it is they're actually studying. Correct. That's the one. Yeah. Really cool. So you've then gone into a degree and I presume from the way you've described that, very male dominated? Yeah, there were 95 men in the class and five women in the year that I did engineering. So heavily male dominated. Incredible. <laughs> to your knowledge, is that typical of engineering in general? Uh, so that was in the whole engineering faculty. So there were seven different specialties at the University of Tasmania. In geotechnical engineering, I was the only female. So there were five females spread out over the seven different disciplines. <laughs> and how did that play out for you? I really liked it. It it was good. It was getting into engineering in itself was a bit of a backwards route for myself. So when I was at, we call it college in Tasmania, but grade 11 and 12, I went to a careers fair and all of the subjects that I studied, they all kind of led to an engineering degree. That was the prerequisite. And I remember going to this careers fair and saying, well, what is engineering? I had no idea what it was. And the person at the careers fair said to me, oh, look, it's it's more of a boys subject. Wow. It probably wouldn't interest you much. So that's that's why I went and did geology to start with, not engineering because, and I can't believe it now, but I just listened to it and took that as it was and didn't think about it again. Jeez, that's incredible. And to your knowledge, does that mentality still exist? I think it's getting a lot better from what I've seen. Um, there's a lot more females coming through engineering now than there were when I went through. But let's be honest, that probably wouldn't be very hard. Um, yeah, there's a lot more focus now that I can see and I'm part of on STEM subjects and females in those STEM subjects. And I think that's absolutely fantastic. So that is playing a role and it's helping to bring more females into that space. It's really cool. So I will circle back and I, I do want to explore, obviously, you took on a male-dominated degree and, and you're working in what must be a male-dominated field and industry, but I'm keen to circle right back down to uh, to school at, in uh, Tasmania. Yep. Start off, do you want to give a, a shout out to your school? Yes, so I went to Kingston High School, about five minutes down the road from where I lived, and then I moved on to Hobart College for grade 11 and 12, and then good old University of Tasmania, UTAS as we called it. Public school all the way for me, but... So when you were at Kingston, I think you said year nine and 10, did you have a a view to what you wanted to be? So before yep. you hit that careers fair. Yeah, so the first time I really came up with what I wanted to do was in grade 9 or 10. I was doing an advanced science course as one of my electives and the teacher who was teaching it was an old exploration geologist. So he used to work out in mining in the back of nowhere, drilling for things, trying to find the next big mine site. And he started teaching a geology course as part of that unit. And I remember one day he brought in his geology pick, which is like a hammer with a really pointy end. And he put his hand down on the table and splayed his fingers really wide. And he just quicker than lightning, you know, went bang, bang, bang between his fingers with this pick. And he's like, yeah, this is what we learn to do on the mines. And I'm like, that sounds like a cool job. Like, what is this? I want to go there. <laughs> I really like that. So you decided way back in year nine uh, at school that you wanted to work in the mines mm -hmm. because the teacher could take his uh, his little yep. pickaxe thing and, and move it between his fingers really quickly. Yeah. <laughs> Seems a bit ridiculous when you put it like that, but that's exactly what happened. <laughs> So you were really clear as to what you wanted to do and, and you were loyal to that the whole way through. By yeah, I never really wanted to work in an office where I just sat at the same desk in the same office every day. I wanted to do something that had an aspect of that, but I wanted to get outside and explore places and travel around and 
mining offered those opportunities. Yeah, right. I um, I personally studied agricultural science and I knew that for a good number of years I would be working in regional Victoria or regional Australia and I was always personally keen to eventually get back to Melbourne and, and do that thing in an office. Obviously, to work in a mines, that's not an option. How did you sort of come to terms with how is that sort of remote lifestyle? You never saw that as a, a reason to not pursue working in the mines? Nah, not at all. That was the reason to do it, to go and see some of these places that no one ever gets the chance to go and travel to or see. And I mean, you say mining and people think of a dirty big hole in the ground and people with like black soot on their face. But really, we're in some of the most fantastic places in Australia with the most beautiful sunsets and the conditions are fantastic. You work with really great people and everyone's like a big family. It's not just this really cold, harsh work environment. And I love it. I love all those aspects of it. And is it much the same people at each mine? Do you Are there familiar faces you've seen around at the different mines or is it a, a new family, a new community every time? It's a new community every time. There's a couple of faces that pop up here and there. Often they recognise me, not the other way around. There's, and I'm generalising, a lot of middle-aged white men at mine sites and not a lot of young females. So they generally recognise me a lot quicker than I'll recognise <laughs> them. But the faces do pop up. So I think it's a good point to double back to that topic. And, you know, we, we talked about it, university, you were in a male-dominated. How did that play out then in the mines, in jobs? and Yeah, so it's definitely been a very male-dominated environment. There's no sugarcoating that at all. I'd say at uni it was really good because I was in these classes with people similar age, similar mindset, all achieving the same goal. Whereas at a mine site, there were people who'd been working at mine sites for 20, 30 years and often they'd come through and women hadn't been working and so then you get this young woman and there was a lot more friction in those situations, I'd suggest. Generally in the office, in the technical roles, um, the men were a lot more accepting of having women but the operators is where you see a lot of the issues come through because they've got a very different mindset and, well, no, women don't work here and that's not how it used to be done and why are we accepting that now type thing. So, yeah, it presents challenges. And in a role where you are such an important cog in the safety of the people um, and you need that instant authority, you need people to instantly take your guidance on an issue and, and respond to what you're saying, did that cause challenges at times? Did it make you nervous along the journey, this uh, young female now in this point of responsibility and would these old-timers listen to? Uh, it definitely made it more challenging. I wouldn't say I was terribly nervous about it, but I found ways to work around it. So an example is, and I've seen it happen many times, if you go out in the pit and there's an excavator working somewhere. The My male counterpart can say that excavator's in the wrong spot, you need to move it over here and that solves the problem. Whereas if I say that, they get their back up and they say, oh, well, what do you know, just a young female? But if I pose it as a question and say, oh, well, what do you think would happen if we move the excavator over here? They'd come back to me and say, I've just had a great idea. You know what we're going to do? <laughs> and I guess a challenging question, does that annoy you? It does. Yeah, absolutely. It used to annoy me a lot more than it does now. I think I've just accepted it a bit more at this point. 
I've been doing it for 10 years now, I guess, and it's just kind of become how I act, which if I think about it, it definitely annoys me that I have to act like that. But I've accepted that I've figured out a way to get things done and get things done safely. And if the end goal is achieved, how important is it how I got there? Yeah, uh, it's a really positive take on it. And I think, you know, I presume, and, and from what you've told me, there is a sense of change. It's not as bad as it used to be. Definitely. When I started, it was maybe 10% females employed in mining. And now, the national average is at 14, which doesn't sound like a big jump at all, but it is going up. And the mine site I'm currently working at is at about 18 or 19. So it's got a really different feel to it, to those mines where there's a lot less females. And it just kind of typifies life a bit more. Like there's no places in the real world where you just have all men all together running a show. And having that female input really does just make it feel more like the real world. Yeah, that's incredible. And is there a, you know, that 18 to 19%, is that a conscious recruiting effort the mining companies are going on to shift from that 10 to close to 20% now? I'd say definitely. There's always a bit of a focus on can we get good females in these roles, but it's a fine art how you do it. I remember when I started as a graduate, we went to a big graduate day and the intake for this company was, let's say, 30 people this year. And the HR person got up the front on the first day and said, look, we hire the best of the best here at this company. That's all we do. And we've also hired 50-50. Like, how good are we? We've got 50% men, 50% women. And me being confident, let's say, I put my hand up and I said, if the graduate rates are 95% and 5%, how did you hire 50-50 but get the best of the best? Like the maths just didn't work out for me. And like it just kind of is a very different feel to when uh, it just happens naturally. When the people that are right for the job are females and you bring them in and you have things in place to support that and to encourage retention as opposed to purposely going out looking for females. For a long time I was never sure if I was hired because of my ability or because I was a female. But now I am confident I'm getting selected for my ability, which is great. Yeah, really cool. Yeah, and I I hope this change continues. How big is your team that you lead? I'm currently leading a team of 10, but I have recently been seconded and I've been in charge of a team of about 120 on this mine site. Is that all? Yeah. (laughs) So what does that team do? Uh, So that team was in charge or I was in charge of all of our drilling operations, our blasting operations. I retained geotech under me as that was my specialty, uh, our dewatering, and I had a truck fleet that was building our waste facility. Okay. And out of all that, the one word that jumps out, blasting, can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah. So that is by far the best job on a mine site in my opinion. (laughs) So I actually had the pleasure I got to go out and get my shot firers license and I worked on the ground as a uh, we call them bomb crew but explosives expert I guess at a mine site for about six months and so it's a process press the big button and watch it all go it's the best fun. Your job is to make sure the wall of the mine is cut on the right angle and you achieve that with explosives. Correct yes yeah so we have to 
design the angles that we drill the holes and where we place the explosives and how we want those explosives to fire, basically. So we never want them to fire into a wall. We want them to fire out of it so we don't damage our walls of the mine. Wow, there's just so much to your job. It's uh, It just goes beyond uh, belief. I Before I move into the final three, I'll, I'll kick myself if I don't ask. Are you any good with the, the pickaxe yet and going in between your fingers? I still haven't got it, no. <laughs> Not to the speed he can anyway. I, I can do the basics. Uh, very good. Um, all right, I like to finish each interview with uh, three questions. And I think before I do, um, to help put some context, I'll just try and capture the timeline as I've heard it of your career. Mm-hmm. You stumbled across mining in year nine at school and decided immediately that this was what you wanted to do. Come year 11 and 12, you went to a careers expo and you were basically told you're female, you don't want to do engineering, you want to go into geology so that you can get to the mines. That way you studied geology and realized that all these boys that were doing the subjects you liked were actually doing engineering and that's where you wanted to be. And ever since then, you've been surrounded by these male-dominated courses, careers and loved every moment of it. Going back to that careers expo, what would you tell that professional, that careers expo person now, do you reckon? I would tell them it's an outdated way of thinking and that we need to be more inclusive and try and encourage the females to come towards engineering rather than dissuade them. Yeah, that's really cool. And I I, I personally hope that the practices have changed. I, I'm sure they have. Um, I wish we could track them down and, and give them a copy of this and, <laughs> and let them know how wrong they were, right? So... I, I guess I asked that question leading into, as you reflect on that journey now, is there anything you would change? No, not at all. I've got where I am through a lot of hurdles and some hard times and some fabulous times, and it's made me the person that I am. And, yeah, without those, I would probably be on a very different course. So I wouldn't change a thing. And to clarify, where you are now is a place that you just love and incredibly happy. and Yeah. Love Correct, out of bed yes. Every day. Absolutely love my job and, yeah, wouldn't ask for anything more at this point. Beautiful. What advice would you give to someone starting out in Year 9 and 10 now thinking about where they want to go in their career? Uh, if you're going to mining, as I said, there'll be some hurdles. But I would say find something that you're passionate about. I'm so lucky in that the job I found I absolutely love and I look forward to getting to come to work and having spoken to some of my other colleagues and some of my friends, I realise that's not what everyone gets to do. So I feel incredibly lucky that my passion is also what I get to work in. So figure out what you are passionate about and chase it. thing that strikes me is that you found that so early and that is incredibly unusual. Most people sort of take a a few attempts and a a few swings at it. A vast majority of the people I've interviewed so far have said that at some stage they wanted to be a marine biologist, but uh, that's not the case for you. You were straight into engineering and I, I love that you found that so early on and it's proven to sort of endear itself to you. So that's really cool. Next question, you've moved around so much and you've you've done a lot in a decade um, of working. Uh, any ideas what next? I actually do. It's really exciting. I was approached uh, last week with a job offer. So, oh, wow. Yeah. Um, Glencore has lots of mines around the world 
And then they have a big corporate office, which is based in Switzerland. And I've been asked by Glencore Global to come and join them as the head of geotech for all of their zinc mines. So 32 mines around the globe, and I'd be in charge of helping to implement geotech at all of these places. That is incredible. Congratulations. Thank you. So where will you be stationed? Uh, at this point, I'll be stationed in Australia, but we've got a lot of mines in Kazakhstan, Canada and South America, which I'd be heavily involved in. So you will get to travel the globe visiting yeah. the amazing regional areas of each of those countries doing something that you love. Correct. Congratulations. That job sounds incredible. Yeah, doesn't it? <laughs> and they, um, they approached you for that. Yeah. So what I've done with my department here, the general British improvements in the last two and a half years has been recognised globally and this is now considered one of Glencore's best sites for geotech and so they wanted me to effectively copy-paste for a lot of their other mines. Brilliant. So what were those countries again? Kazakhstan, Canada, Peru, Chile, Colombia and Bolivia, I believe. Yeah. Wow. So what have you done that in your mind set you apart that made you so successful? I made a lot of changes very quickly, I think. And I was lucky that this mine when I came here was like they had absolutely nothing and had done nothing for years. So I thought it was all quite simple and I'm just like, yep, okay, let's buy the equipment, let's do this, let's do that. And I trained up a team. I had two people were working here when I started and I've now got a team of 10 and we're getting all this audit that I'm doing this week. It's an international audit by, as I say, the guys that wrote the textbooks. And they're just like, yep, this is phenomenal. Like you're world-class in what you're doing with some of this stuff. And I've managed to pick up 15 years of nothing and do all of that work and now get it to a point where we're proactive as opposed to compulsively just reactive. So yeah, it's been really good. That's really awesome. You've you've impressed me and blown me away. That's so cool and I'm really glad I asked you to do this. All right, well, that's all the questions I have for today. I just want to uh, thank you so very much for finding the time uh, to do this. It is a Sunday afternoon. You are at work and you've uh, managed to find uh, this 45 minutes to sit down and have a chat to us. So I appreciate your time, your candor, and um, I hope you enjoyed chatting to us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. It's been great. And there it was. That was my conversation with Carrie Heaven about her career in mining. As I said at the start, I think it's an incredible story. I love the way that she she knew very early on in her life what it was, that it was something that was different to what a lot of other people wanted. She got some poor advice early on in her career journey and, and but was able to see in herself what she was still enjoying, the the types of subjects, the type of classes that she was really into and was able to change back into engineering and ultimately end up into a position where I think we can all agree is just incredible that this person who was told that engineering is not for girls and that she should pursue something else is now in a role where she gets to travel the world supporting minds across the globe in some amazing places doing something that she absolutely loves and I think we can all hear in her voice the passion that she has, the joy and the fun she has in doing what she does every day. And I hope that from this episode, this conversation, you take something from it that says, I'm going to chase and pursue what it is I love and what I'm passionate about and that you do it. Because from that passion, from that joy and 
comes success and whatever that might be in, I hope you find it and I hope that you pursue it with the love and passion that Carrie has. And I'd like to take this opportunity to again thank her for her time and congratulate her on the new role. Thank you again for listening to Careers Night, the podcast where we ask our guests, what's your job and how did you get there? If you have someone in your life who could take something from Carrie's journey or just in general are starting their careers journey, then please, please, please share this with them. We really appreciate your support. Mm